When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. And today I'm going to be talking about a topic that I am very, very interested in personally and professionally. Um, It is the topic of codependency, and it's a very complicated term, but and, and really concept to understand. But I'm hoping that we can start a conversation and shed some light on it and see if you or someone in your life struggles with codependency. So, um, and before I really get into defining it, I think this topic illustrates how challenging it is to find balance in life. We get a lot of messages growing up, such as rejoice with other people's celebrations and good points and grieve with people who grieve and be a team with other people. And, you know, we can't be every man for himself. We got to be, you know, a team. And you think about that individual orientation to life, like an individualist kind of focus of it's just, I got to look out for me, look out for number one versus, oh, that's selfish. Um, We need to be more of a collectivist type of person where we think of our team or our system or our community and we help people with their problems, help them with their burdens. And so it gets really tricky trying to figure out when are you caring too much? When are you doing too much? When are you being a helicopter person or micromanaging someone else's life? Um, so sometimes it feels like you can't win. You know, if, you, if you're selfish and you set boundaries, you know, that's not great. But if you're doing too much and caring too much and getting too involved and meddling with other people's lives, you've, you've got an issue. And um, so it's this tightrope. Life can be really hard to find that happy medium. So very simply put, codependency is more the person who has trouble separating and they feel responsible for other people's problems and they try to fix things and maybe control things. So um, I'll read you probably the hallmark original book on codependency was by by Melody Beatty. Um, I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Her last name is spelled B-E-A-T-T-I-E. And her book, Codependent No More, came out in 1986. 
And you may hear some pages rustling here as I'm talking about some things I, I looked at and wanted to comment on from the summary I read. Um, and it came from, um, I got my summary from a website called The Art of Living. So if you want to find this um, summary that I'm referring to, it says it's a 12 minute read. I'm a slow reader, so that wasn't even close to how long it took me to read read it. But um, it's a codependent no more summary with Melanie Beattie on the art of living. So there are several great quotes from this book. And um, one is a definition, which is very helpful. It says a codependent person is one who has let another person's behavior affect him or her and who is obsessed with controlling that person's behavior. So um, it's, it's complicated. So we're going to get into this. So to make this topic come alive, I have a special guest today. And we have a really cool story. Um, so I was getting my hair cut in a salon about a year ago, exactly. And I met this wonderful, young, dynamic hairdresser um, who was cutting my hair. And we, she and I were just talking, trying to figure out exactly how the topic came up. But I think she mentioned she was reading Codependent No More. Or I may have mentioned that I'm a psychologist. And... She was just so articulate and, you know, just feisty and fun. And I said, oh, my goodness, I need you to come on my podcast, which is brand new. And she said, I'd love to. And I was so impressed by her spontaneity and courage. And um, this morning I was telling her that before we started recording. And she said, I like doing scary things. And I was like, wow, like she just blows me away. Um so, um, you know, and, and one thing about interviewing someone like her name is Tamia and, um, she's almost 25, but I love, you've probably heard me talk about this in the podcast. I love people who are willing to share their story. And I like to say, we all have a lot to learn and we all have a lot to teach. And I feel like Tamia's story is powerful and she has a lot to teach people and she's learning and she loves learning. Like she was saying she listens to books and audiobooks all the time. And, um, and so it's just really neat to, you know, hear an inspiring young person like this who psychological stuff isn't in her field. Um, but she loves learning and growing and becoming healthier. So, um, I think that's all I wanted to say in the introduction. Um, but um, so hello to Mia. Hi. <laughs> she is an oldest, oldest child. And um, actually, um, that's complicated. Yeah. <laughs> oh, go ahead. I'm, you, I'm like in the middle. I guess. Kind of in kind the middle of, of a blended yeah, family yeah, type I'm of. Kind of in the middle. Mm -hmm. Well, um, yeah, I'm, I know you're going to be talking a bit about your childhood and your family. So, um, well, do you want to just share a little bit about how you heard about the book and why you read it and things like that? Um, I post a lot of quotes and stuff on Instagram and I had a Spanish teacher who, well, she was an old Spanish teacher that saw something I posted and she thought I could relate to that book and she DM'd me the title and told me I really like it. So, and then you followed through and got yeah, it on I audio. I got the book on audio on audible and then I, listened to it and I just kept listening and it helped me a lot with some stuff I was going through. So 
That's so neat. (laughs) So when you read about codependency, do you remember thinking, what is this? And am I this? Or how did you feel about Um, it? I remember feeling kind of uh, attacked in a way by some stuff that she would say in the book because I was like, wow, um, I don't I never thought of myself as that person. So to hear it and relate to it and be somebody that I didn't really want to be was weird. Yeah. So, yeah, some of it kind of makes you uh, yeah. defensive. Yeah. So it made me feel like, well, I don't want to be that person. So, mm-hmm. but I, I was. Mm-hmm. So. <clears throat> well, I pro- should probably say that I feel like I am a recovering codependent myself. Mm-hmm. And so I have this weird bond with codependent people or this weird protectiveness or mm-hmm. I identify with them. Mm-hmm. And so I bristled. That's the word I was trying to think of. I bristled a little bit, even with the title. I'm sure, you know, the subtitle I forgot to mention is how to stop controlling others and start caring for yourself. Mm -hmm. And I think in my mind, I would view people who are codependent. I actually really do. Um, And there are variations of types of codependent people too, Mm -hmm. but I did bristle a little bit because in my mind, the stereotype of a codependent person is like they're an over-functioning person who gives too much and puts other people's needs first. And it's sort of in a way like a heroic kind Mm of, you know, and this person needs to take better care of themselves and they're so giving. And so when it said like they're controlling, I kind of bristled like, yeah. Is that one of the things that made you yeah, bristle? like controlling, which I, I did kind of know that about myself, but it's the way that <laughs> it's just the way that it was brought to me, like, like controlling, um, like you have a low self-esteem, like all these things. It was like, I'm not, that's not me. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. It was like, or maybe it is. <laughs> and I just didn't realize it just wasn't self-aware enough for Uh-huh. But that's interesting. So you're open-minded and teachable enough to say on first glance, I'm like, no, I don't have low self-esteem. But then you're like, well, maybe I do. Let me think about this. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. (laughs) See, that says a lot about you right there is you have a sense of yourself and you're like, that's not true, but you're open-minded and willing to consider. I could be wrong. Like we all have blind spots. Yeah. So So what was your final conclusion on that? um, That... Sometimes, maybe I, sometimes in certain situations, yeah, I must have had low self-esteem or, you know, I still am working on that. I think a lot of people are. Mm -hmm. So it's like, you know, with relationships and stuff like that, my self-esteem must have been low. And Mm -hmm. that's why I felt like I need to control it so that, you know, I don't know, so that I can feel good about myself. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. that. That would make sense. Yeah. Yeah. And it's probably true that our self-esteem could vary in different things. Like there may be someone who's like, I know I'm extremely smart, but I don't feel attractive. Mm-hmm. Or I know I'm very successful, but I don't feel confident in my social skills. Mm-hmm. So it's probably difficult to always say across the board, I have great self-esteem in every yeah. area. Yeah. Yeah. But I think... It takes a lot of work and a lot of time. And then I think one day it could be high and the next day it could be low. Yeah. That's, yeah. That's true. And it could depend on who you're around. Like, yeah. If you're, and then the things that you surround yourself with, like decorating your house or 
just making sure that you have an environment that feels good mm-hmm. feels like yourself then that's important and sometimes it's hard to know what that is mm-hmm. anyway mm-hmm. especially wow. if you just spend time looking at other people and taking care of other people you don't know what what feels good to you anymore so mm-hmm. that was um, hard to find and I'm just now doing it so mm. yeah so when you mentioned decorating your house that's something that you've discovered really helps your mood and makes yeah, you feel like better. Not decorating it based off of what looks good to other people either, just what feels good mm. to me and, you know, like what colors feel good to you and stuff like that. That's so good. Yeah. You know, that's actually kind of a neat connection with three of the big pieces of codependency in this article and in the book is um, one of the quotes I liked was codependents forget to take care of themselves in their attempts to manage other people's lives. Mm -hmm. And three of the biggest cures or antidotes for codependency is to detach a little bit Mm -hmm. where you're not overly attached or overly enmeshed um, or twisted all up inside somebody's life and business as if Mm -hmm. you can control it because you can't. Mm But it's so wonderful to care about people's problems and to be kind of willing to help, but to not try to like take over or or let it bring you down. Mm -hmm. And I do think a lot of sensitive people are probably more prone to codependency because they care so much and they feel so much. Yeah. Do you relate to that? I do. Um, And I actually, one thing I had to do, even after I read the book, it's probably been like four months ago, but anytime I saw anything anywhere on Facebook or Instagram or something like that, that was negative or didn't line up with how I wanted to feel. Mm-hmm. And it's like how I want to feel. I don't have to feel sad or anything like that. I, I want to be happy. So if I saw something that would make me feel sad, then I would delete that or unfollow the person mm. who was posting it. I didn't delete them off Facebook, but I unfollow them because I don't want to feel those emotions that they're putting out for me to see. Mm-hmm. So I would just, that's what I did on social media. I just ran through it because I'm on there all the time. Mm-hmm. So that affects my mood a lot. If I see stuff all the time, that's just sad. Yeah. So. That's so wise. And a lot of people don't think about that and realize the pain that they're putting themselves through mm-hmm. that they could avoid if they would just set boundaries mm-hmm. or take care of themselves. Yeah. Especially when things get like political things and just stuff like that. You don't have to see that stuff. Mm-hmm. You can block it out. Mm-hmm. Doesn't make it not happen. It doesn't mean it's not happening, but getting upset about it doesn't change the situation. So, right. Yeah. Um, yeah. If something makes you feel depressed, it's like, I don't think this is good yeah. for me. And I'm very easily affected by information. So yeah. I just know I can't. Yeah. 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 That's smart. It's interesting because that self-care, whether it is decorating your house the way you want it mm-hmm. to be, instead of asking people, do you like this? Mm-hmm. Or what do you think? It's like, I I'm doing this. This is healthy for me. It makes me feel mm-hmm. happy. And so I don't need someone else's approval. I'm paying for it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's my place. Yeah. I'm going to do whatever color I want, yeah. whatever furniture. Mm-hmm. That's great. Well, so the three points, and, and you just kind of gave the perfect little segue into the self-care one, is you know detachment in a, in a sense, not complete detachment, yeah. but just a bit of separation and emotional distance from the other person's problems or issues and then self-care and then personal responsibility. Um, This was another thing I bristled at 
But I did, I do think it's true for me is I interestingly, codependents often blame others for how they feel. Mm-hmm. That was like a large part of my life is uh, what I did with just blaming family. If my family wasn't like this, if my mom didn't do this, then I wouldn't be here in this position right now, mm-hmm. which something that happens 10 years ago can't affect you unless you just let it affect you the whole time. Mm-hmm. Well, sometimes it can, but <laughs> but some things you just have to learn how to get past yourself. So Right. Yeah. And that's a really super complex topic right there, because I do think that how do we put that like um, personal responsibility? Like, you know, I like to sometimes say that we can explain how we became distrustful Mm -hmm. because we went through a bunch of, you know, breaches of whatever. Mm -hmm. And so I do think that blaming that situation, there is a a level to that that's true. Like Mm -hmm. I probably would be much more trusting if I'd had a safer environment, but the personal responsibility for, I can find ways to heal from that Mm -hmm. is different than like you, you know, you hurt me so badly and I'll never be able to trust anyone. That might be the kind of blaming that would be. And it's hard to realize you're doing it anyway, too. It's just so unconscious. It's easy to just be who you are and just feel what you feel Mm -hmm. and not try to do something else. Mm -hmm. So that was um, a hard thing to do, but eventually you can do it as long as, because the resources are there to do it. So Uh you just have to use them. Right. Oh, that was such a great definition of, of sort of a victim mentality. And that's another paradox is you were a victim of Mm -hmm. stuff. Yeah. That's a fact. Yeah. But staying there and like, I'm, you know, I'm always going to be a victim. It's like, I'm actually a survivor Yeah. and I can transcend my victimhood or my trauma. Yeah. And the people that I might've felt victimized by are also, they also have to go through things. And I feel like as somebody who isn't, what is it? Empath or impact? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I can, I can realize that other people are going through things too. Even if they hurt me, I can realize they're going through something and I don't have to, you know, feel like they just do something to me just to be spiteful or just, you know, they're, uh-huh. they're going through something and the way they react to me is based on whatever is going on in their head. Right. Yeah. That's their stuff. Yeah. That's their, so they may not know any different. Yeah. You know, this is a random side note, but maybe you'll relate to it in some way. I often over the years have had clients that would say things like, oh, my father or my mother or whoever was was very abusive emotionally or Mm -hmm. neglectful. And then we would find out that that parent had been through worse abuse than they put their kids through. Mm -hmm. And the parent thinks they're doing a pretty good job because they said, I will never beat my kids because Mm -hmm. I was beaten. And so then they think I deserve an A because I didn't beat my kids. Mm -hmm. But the bar was so low that they were still emotionally abusive or neglectful. But, you know, they didn't realize how it's still, they still weren't healthy parents. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I'm, I got weapons when I was little and I think the last one I remember getting, I was probably like eight years old. And, uh, I think with my mom, it depended on what she was going through, whether or not 
something I was doing or wasn't doing when I was little, it depended on what she was going through, if she would react in a way where she wanted to whoop me for Mm -hmm. something or if she could, which was rare, especially at that time, if she could talk to me, you know? Mm -hmm. So a lot of the times it was no talking. It was just like, you know, Mm -hmm. you're going to get a whooping. So Mm -hmm. that's just... Yeah. No, like, lessons or conversations, but just a whooping. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes it, when you're that little, once you get older, that type of stuff gets blurred. You don't re- you don't remember why you were getting whoopings, especially when there were so many other things happening that were negative. Um, you don't know what was, what the reason was. So it's mm. hard to put it together when you get older and you're still trying to figure out other things. It's like... You know. So unpredictable and inconsistent. Yes. Yeah. Wow. It's just confusing. Yeah. yeah, that is. And, you know, you've mentioned a couple of things like before we started recording, um, kind of like walking on eggshells, like yeah. wondering what mood your mother would be in when she came home. Mm-hmm. And see, stuff like that, you know, that's another interesting piece of the unhealthy coping mechanisms we develop, like codependency or people pleasing. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they're really smart strategies when you're in a situation that feels yeah, dangerous. Yes, yeah. yes, mm-hmm. exactly. Survival instinct. And, and But then the problem becomes you get stuck in the rut of continuing those same and habits. Can, yeah, and then you can become that person that you felt certain fear of because maybe before she would come home and get upset about something, she was out trying to do stuff for other people. She was being a codependent person. Mm. And then when she came home and she was ready to just wind down, she felt like, she just needed something from you that you couldn't give her. And that's why she would lash out. That's mm. kind of what I think. That's yeah. what I made up. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, that's an interesting point because like maybe they show their best side or they give a lot yeah. in public or with family members. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But at home they come and they flip it and want you to be the one yeah, they, catering. They want to be there, but yeah. They want to be there for you, but they also feel like this is the person I need to raise. And so I have to, you know, I have to put this kind of mood out for them to do what I need them to do. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. so I probably won't do a great job of summarizing your response. But when I ask you kind of what were you hoping would change by reading this book? You had some um, great response. You remember? I was hoping that when I talked to my mom about certain things, I wouldn't feel triggered by small things in the conversations mm-hmm. or, or when I would talk to my siblings and maybe they had an issue or about something that she did or said that I wouldn't feel triggered. So mm-hmm. that was a, the biggest reason, I think. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of like you knew there was some baggage and some yeah. trauma. Yeah. And you were getting triggered and you, you didn't want to cut these people out of your life. But yeah. you knew it wasn't, it, yeah. you weren't feeling healthier or in a positive around them. Mm-hmm. And you're like, this needs to get healthier or else I'm not going to be able to come around them as much. Yeah. Or 
it just can't grow into something better. Like I, I, at the time, my brother who's trans, he was having a lot of issues with our family. He wouldn't talk to anybody. Mm -hmm. He wouldn't go around anybody anymore. And every time I would talk to him, he was upset and it would just be, it would like cycle around and around about our past. And Mm -hmm. every time I would talk to him, it was like, I want to talk about something else. Mm -hmm. I want to talk about something happy. So um, I felt like I always wanted to call him and talk to him all the time, but he, he would make me sad when I talked to him. Mm. So that was another reason I didn't need to be dependent on him either. I needed to stop feeling like I need to talk to this person. And if that means I have to listen to negative things, then I guess I just have to do that. Mm-hmm. So, so would he make you sad because he was down or be negative? Um, or? Yeah, because he was down and um, just he would remind me of certain things that I had to go through when I didn't want to be reminded of those mm. things. So it was like, you know, why do we have to talk about this? I, yeah. <laughs> it was like, I don't want to talk about this. So I would talk to him about it, but it was like, I don't want to talk about this. I don't want to be angry. So, mm. yeah. Oh, now you're, you're really getting me excited about this whole separate topic that I'm like, should we go off on this tangent or not? (laughs) This is a really interesting sort of controversy or um, dilemma, I think. And this could be just fun to talk about together. Um, You know, a lot of men more so than women are reluctant to go to counseling, I Mm -hmm. feel like. And, um, and, and I know you've never done counseling, Mm -hmm. Except you said that when you were in elementary school, you would go to your guidance counselor a lot when you were sad and you were sad a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's cool. So in a way, that is counseling. You probably just thought, oh, here's a nice person I can talk to. (laughs) Um, But you bring up a really important point. And um, I maybe you'd be a perfect person to pick your brain about this because a lot of men specifically. But I know there I don't want to be too stereotypical because women can feel this way too, is why on earth would I want to go dig up the pain Mm -hmm. and the memories and the past that's, that's really hurtful and painful. Like what good is that going to do me? I want to forget about that, you know? Um, and you know, I guess the proof would be in the pudding. I mean, you'd have to, people would have to see it to believe it, but it might be like, say an hour therapy session could be very painful, Mm -hmm. but then and you might dread it. Like I'm going to go talk about the hardest things that have ever happened to me. Mm-hmm. But then you leave and you think, I feel like I just dumped a load of pain. <laughs> and I call it uploading like out of your brain mm-hmm. and downloading it somewhere else. Mm-hmm. And kind of like taking out the trash, you know, but I think some people just think, what are you stupid? Like, why would you want to go talk about your pain? (laughs) But a lot of those people do find like, if you can talk about it and organize it, Mm -hmm. an hour of pain. And of course, therapy typically takes more than one session, of course, but organizing your thoughts, writing down some of the most painful memories, then you feel the lightest emotionally you've ever felt. Like you might do that for five sessions. Mm -hmm. Um, Do you feel like, I know you haven't technically done therapy. Is that hard to believe or or could you see? Um, I can see it. Uh, I think it depends on what you went through and everything Mm -hmm. like that. But 
um, when it came to my brother, it would be more like rants. Mm. So it was like, it wasn't really a conversation. Yeah. But um, I used to feel, I used to be the one to, you know, talk about it. I never really ranted about my parents. I never had like, I never felt like they're stupid. They're, I mean, maybe when I was like 17, 16, mm-hmm. I did. Mm-hmm. I used to get really angry, but I never felt like, you know, they're these horrible people. I just mm-hmm. felt like, why did this happen? I have to talk about it to my mm-hmm. brothers and stuff like that. It would have been better to talk to a therapist, I think, because I would have, it would have been somebody who could make sense of it to me. Yeah. Um, but talking to the same people who went through the same thing doesn't really, yeah, it doesn't really help as much. I could see that. Yeah. Maybe talking to a sibling after you've done a lot of therapy where mm-hmm. you've really come to peace and gotten mm-hmm. a lot of closure. But yeah, that's a really good point. Cause if your brother was, um, ranting, then, then it, it was like, okay, wow, you're talking about my mom though. When you're talking about my dad, yeah, I love them. You're bashing them. Yeah, and this isn't it's like, productive. Yeah. yeah, it's not helping. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a really important piece. And I, you know, a lot of times I tell people the difference between communicating aggressively versus passively mm-hmm. versus assertively. And you know, we don't want to water down the truth or ignore it, but we don't want to be like. They were the most hateful person. I hope they die. Yeah. I'm never gonna. I hope they rot yeah. in hell. Like that's not very helpful. <laughs> Doesn't do. It. Yeah. <laughs> and I just wanted all live together and be happy. Now he he's in a lot better place. He talks to my mom like every day. He, hmm. We all talk all the time now, so it's a lot better than it was. But it was a difficult couple of years. I didn't even talk to him for a whole year. I think. Cause I got so tired of it. Mm-hmm. So around the time I was listening to that book, I don't think I was talking to him anymore. So mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. And I think that's a really important skill in life is if something is toxic, like if a relationship is toxic or a conversation, I really think we have a responsibility to leave. Yeah. Disconnect. Yeah. Disconnect. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's really good. Like detach and Melanie yeah. Beatty's Beatty or Beatty's <laughs> yeah, detach. That's so. Do you know how your brother got to where he got? Um, actually, I got tired of not talking to him. Um, like I just felt like what he was doing was just it was not helping him, mm-hmm. and it wasn't. It was making my mom sad. And this is probably the codependent thing where I felt like I need to put everybody together. (laughs) So um, our grandma was actually about to have a really big surgery. And she actually had treated him badly when he came out at first. Mm. I had a conversation with her about it. I, you know, like I did with most of our family members to get them to understand this is, you know, just what it is. Just is what it is. Mm -hmm. Just get over it. let let him be happy let him do his thing but um she was gonna have a surgery and I was really nervous about it and she always kept asking about him she wanted him to call her so bad so I called him so that he would call her and he was ranting just like he had been (laughs) the whole time so I just cussed him out (laughs) and you're a little aggressive (laughs) I, I just went off and I was like you can call me when you figure it out uh-huh. Call me and call your grandma. <laughs> uh-huh. And I was like, but don't talk to me until then. And I hung up the phone and the next day he texted me and he was just completely different. He talked to my grandma. We went to go see her and every ever since then. Wow. Yeah. That was so like a wake up call. Cussing people out just work. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe one day he'll have to cuss me out. 
<laughs> oh, that's hilarious. And normally I don't obviously advise people to cuss someone out, but sometimes you really do. Like yeah. they need a slap in the face figuratively, yeah. like a real jolt or a shake. Yeah. Like, look at what you're doing. This is not okay. <laughs> it's not good for you. <laughs> it just wasn't good for him. I, more than me, I just felt like it wasn't good for him. I want him. I think when it's easy to be happy, you should just be happy. Like, uh-huh. When you can be happy, you should be happy. Wow. So my grandma's, you know, she's doing everything right. And everybody's, you know, on the same page now. So that's amazing. No, it didn't start off so good. We can have it now. We can be happy now. So that's so neat. Yeah. You know, one of the things I tell a lot of my clients are when you have a toxic relationship, I feel like you have five, maybe six options mm-hmm. and and maybe you could comment on your thoughts on this. So one is keep things the same way. Mm-hmm. And I certainly don't think that's a good one. If you're being, if you're in a toxic situation or you're being emotionally abused mm-hmm. um, or any kind of abuse. Um, the second one is confront them and hope they'll change kind of like what you did to your brother. Mm -hmm. Um, A third one is distance yourself. Mm -hmm. A fourth one is totally cut them off. And then the last one is like changing your expectations. And it's sort of like this situation might not be so toxic if you understood like this. I'll give you one of the, the classic examples is someone is just so hurt by a parent that might be 40 or 50 or whatever years old. And they start to realize that this concept we call, um, um, shoot, well, it's emotional immaturity and we call it arrested development. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like, instead of your growth being stunted, um, physically, like if some kid just stops growing at 10 because they have some health condition or infection, it would be like somebody's emotional growth and maturity just stunts and Mm -hmm. stops at a certain place. And so they get arrested in time or frozen in time at that age, but they look so scary because they're 40 or well, I'd say look scary they have power because they're your parent and you expect them to be a mentor and a role model and to be kind and loving. Many people aren't, you know, but when you find out this person is 12 emotionally, you are actually acting like a 24 year old or 25 year old, you know? And so you have to look at this person like a 12 year old Mm -hmm. and expect them to say what a 12 year old would say. It doesn't hurt you so bad. And you think something happened when their mother abandoned them or when their father died. And it doesn't mean they should stay victim and not work through that and grow, Mm -hmm. but it is certainly a really great explanation for why they act that way. And sometimes I'll say to people, well, did what your father say or did what your teacher say seem inappropriate? You know, like if a 10 year old tells a teacher, I hate you. And the teacher's like, I hate you too. You'd be like, Oh my goodness, what's wrong with that teacher? But like parents can be like, that, you know, 50 year old, you know? And, um, so that's an example of changing your expectation where you lower the bar. It doesn't hurt so badly. Mm-hmm. If that, does that make sense? Yeah. I, uh, it does make sense. That's, I did that with, my parents I don't think that they have like I don't I think they block a lot of things out not that they are like yeah I just think they block a lot of things out and that's what I realize about them Mm -hmm. they just block things out yeah I don't 
I don't take everything they say at like a hundred percent. Like I don't believe it's what they really think. I don't. Yeah. Like you don't always believe that what they're saying is really what they believe. Yeah. Or I, that's because I I know too much to believe mm-hmm. some of the things they say. Any examples pop to your mind? Um. Like. Like I've gotten over that or yeah, something. Yeah, I've gotten over that or this person or nobody can make me feel this way. Uh, but really, I know that you're not good at coping with things. So I know that people can make you feel this or that way. Right. Like they're not I, being honest. Raised, I with, grew up. Yeah. yeah. I've seen yeah. <laughs> what you do. So yeah. I know. Yeah. But, so when they say something, I don't, I don't get upset. I just, you know. Like, you let it go and say yeah. they can believe what they want to believe or say what they want to yeah, say. They, they're they saying that, but I see differently. Mm-hmm. That's just that. It doesn't matter. I mean, I'm, yeah, I don't have an argument about it or anything. It's just right. they say that and they really, you know, something else is going on yeah. inside that I don't know, but it's not my business. Yeah. 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 Sometimes we say what we wish was true, even though we maybe know it's yeah. not. Or ego, your ego is just a little bit too big to just. Yeah. Admit yeah. That you have a hurt feelings or you, you know, that yeah. you feel a certain way about something. So. Yeah, definitely. That fear of vulnerability that, you know, Brene Brown is this podcaster. If you've never heard her stuff on vulnerability and it's mm-hmm. like hard to be vulnerable and say, yeah, it hurts me really bad when my mom tells me that I'm lazy or something. Yeah. And you might have a parent go, you know, oh, I don't care what she thinks about me, yeah. but you can tell they're so sad. And yeah. like, why can't they? What What's so hard about being honest and saying, mm-hmm. yeah, it really makes me sad. Do you feel like you needed your family and those who hurt you the most to own up to what they did for you to forgive and move past it? Um, I did for a long, long time. Yeah. I felt like everybody should apologize to me mm-hmm. <laughs> and my mom. Mm-hmm. That's how I felt. I felt like, and I felt very protective of my mom. Mm-hmm. Like I, she did things that hurt me, but I always felt and still do feel like, don't say anything about my mom. You did enough, you know? Mm. So meaning what her mom and sister did to her. Okay. Don't like, don't say anything about her. Don't, you know, but Mm -hmm. now I don't feel like I need anything. Um, like apology. I don't need an apology or anything like that because I know what they did was wrong. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. I don't need them to tell me they were wrong because I already know they were wrong. Mm. Maybe in the next life, they'll do better. Wow. <laughs> That's how I think. That. That's so mature. And you deserved an apology. Yeah. And that would have helped. But you're right. Sometimes people can never admit the truth. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, some people can't say they're sorry. Mm-hmm. Or it's just too painful. In fact, I tell a lot of people this. I'm like, you know, the greatest confession or apology you might ever get from a parent or someone who hurt you is them paying for you to go to therapy. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like I've known some people, I mean, there's a lot of hidden, uh, subtle ways that people could probably admit fault. Like, Oh, I'm going to get you this book or I'm going to get you a massage or I'm going to buy you things, but, uh, I'll pay for your therapy, but I'm never going to admit that I was an abusive parent. Yeah. My mom has, she actually has over the years apologized for a lot of things. Mm. And it uh, it never felt like a real apology mm-hmm. at first because it felt like she didn't want to admit that she was 
wrong or she didn't she would act like she didn't understand what she did in certain situations mm-hmm. but um I know that the fact that she felt like she needed to do it wasn't was an apology mm. that makes sense just like, the fact that she knew she that wanted was, to apologize mm. but she wanted it to not hurt That's so wise yeah it's like the thought that counts like yeah wow yeah that's so profound that you <laughs> saw it that way yeah and I agree. I mean, just knowing like there's guilt or there's, I, I regret yeah. things and I own up to it. Mm-hmm. And that's enough for me. And I don't want her to feel bad because yeah, I think she did what she could do at the time, what her mind would allow her to do. So mm. now I just, yeah. Are you sure you don't want to go get your master's in counseling? <laughs> You love what you do, so you should stick to it. But boy, you know, a lot of beauty stylists and all that, you probably feel sometimes like you're a counselor. Yeah, people have come with their problems sometimes. Uh huh. But I don't know how to solve other people's problems. I just invested so much time in my own that mm. I, yeah, mm-hmm. I had a lot of time to sort through, a lot of writing it out and stuff like mm-hmm. that. So. Wow. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You have a lot of wisdom and insight and, you know, this just your proof of what I'm talking about is like, we all have so much to teach people and it doesn't matter. Like if you're a lawyer, a garbage man, a a hairstylist, Mm -hmm. you know, we all have a lot to teach and we, you know, and people have different types of wisdom. Some people Mm -hmm. are smart with with money and finances, they maybe aren't as psychologically intelligent or emotionally intelligent, but using your gifts to help others and help yourself is like so important. And your story, I mean, you could save people a lot of therapy time. Mm -hmm. Um, It's funny. I have a client who I've worked with off and on for years and years, and she had had this guy she was kind of friends with, but kind of dating that one day I said, I wonder if he's on the spectrum because she just could not make sense of him like in his behavior. And I was like, you know, sort of the Asperger's autism spectrum Mm -hmm. stuff, just people that are a little bit, you know, um, take things literally and may not have the emotional perception or intuition and read people as well. And they can Mm -hmm. be really blunt and things like that. Well, she started reading about it and it helped her so much because this, this guy was one of her biggest sources of like stress. And then she started realizing other people she had dated or known that were on the spectrum. And so now she has several people that she's helping them realize they have autism. (laughs) I'm like, you're helping them. You're saving them so much money in therapy bills like you just die and, and they're like you're right oh my goodness like this is totally fits this is helping me understand myself yeah you know? and that's a nice feeling to understand yeah yourself. yeah yeah and she doesn't have a psychology background yeah. you know she's she just learned spent so much time looking into it yes mm-hmm. she's self-taught yeah. you know like you are yeah I guess so. <laughs> yeah I mean it's it's really cool um well I don't know I know we could probably go on and on for hours um you know, they talk about in this article how codependency is a coping mechanism that's often learned in childhood. Mm-hmm. And I wish we had time to read all these, but these are some common traits um, for codependence. And maybe I could read a few. And if you have comments on any of these, you could. And then we can wrap up here in a few minutes. Um, but it says that codependents often feel responsible for other people's needs 
feelings, thoughts, behaviors, and well-being. Mm-hmm. Um, they feel almost forced to help others, even if they don't want to help them, maybe. Um, they say yes when they mean no, do things they don't want to do, kind of that people-pleasing or... Mm-hmm. Um, have trouble setting boundaries, of course, as a result, which is one big theme in the book. They don't know what they want or need, or they feel that their wants are unimportant. And I can relate to some of that as well. Um, And a lot of these I can relate to, but I think if you do have a childhood that's not the healthiest, or if you're with someone that's kind of what I might call the squeaky wheel or someone you walk on eggshells about, uh, or they're needy or something, you end up just learning to put your needs aside because you feel like you have to take care of the squeaky wheel Mm -hmm. or calm down the person that is angry or unpredictable. Yeah. Um, So then you, you kind of stop listening to what you want or need because it doesn't seem like there's room for it. Yeah. Or you, um, in my case, I feel like sometimes I would create in my mind that that's just what I'm supposed to be doing. Mm. Like, Maybe that's what I'm, I'm just supposed to take care of everybody or certain things that I wanted mm-hmm. was so that I could take care of other people around me and not mm-hmm. for myself. Yeah. So now I want things just for myself, mm-hmm. <laughs> but before it was definitely like, oh, I want to do this so I can do this for them and this for mm-hmm. them. And I want to, you know, yeah. Wow. See, and that's a gift, but it's. A burden that, you know, when you're, you know, we talk about when kids become more like parents, we Mm -hmm. call that parentification or adultification Mm -hmm. that you have to offer, you have to act like an adult. And you mentioned earlier that you could see a connection with, you know, codependency. That term was coined around like someone that's married to an alcoholic. Mm -hmm. And so they kind of end up trying to like cover for the alcoholic or control their behavior And, and you said you could relate to what the someone married to an alcoholic mm-hmm. would feel like. Yeah. Um, and I think that would go back to like when I was younger and I mean, my mom was a single mom. So a lot of the times we didn't have a lot of stuff we needed. Mm-hmm. So I felt like, well, when I'm when I can get the things we need. I mean, I wanted a job when I was like 10 or something. I wanted to work so I could bias this and bias that and then what as soon as I got money I got my first job it was at a Baskin Robbins and I was like oh I'm gonna make her birthday so special and I got Aww. her cake and everything and it just felt good like oh I can do things for them now and I can you know I can yeah. just do everything everybody needs me to do and eventually like working at um my salon uh-huh. <laughs> I won't put it out there but working there <laughs> I um Especially where I work, there's a lot of money that you make there. So I was making a lot of money and doing things for people. And that doesn't really, it wears down on you eventually. And I realized that and it started to be less important to do those things and to make that money. Yeah, because it just felt like I feel tired and I don't have any time and I don't have any you know, like you were working too many shifts or hours. Yeah, I was working so much and I just felt like I don't know me. Mm. I just, I work and then I'm I like a workhorse. What, yeah. I just do whatever anybody needs from me. And I just, you know, that's mm-hmm. how I felt. Wow. I mean, you know, I would go to Target or something and buy a bunch of stuff sometimes, but it wasn't like, 
Like you lost it yourself. Yeah, I didn't know anything about what I liked or what I wanted. Or, wow. That's yeah. such a great point because I think it's so rele- relevant to the codependency is where you really become a professional at knowing what other people need mm-hmm. and, and how they feel becomes I your focus. I didn't know anything I wanted at all. Like, yeah. Like with the decorating my space, I didn't, I didn't do that really. I just... Just, you know, I had like, I, you know, I have my tables and my chairs and uh-huh. <laughs> I have my couch and I have a flat screen TV and that's, you know. Like your needs weren't on your radar yeah, that just, much. Yeah. Sometimes I get my nails done, but I don't really ever like them, you know, mm-hmm. be like that. So, yeah. And now I don't get them done, but I like my nails actually. So it's weird. That is. To, yeah. To like things is weird like to start noticing what you like yeah. or what you what feeds your soul or what mm-hmm. it was self-care like that's kind of a new thing yeah for you. it's weird yeah it's wow. weird and it's but it's a good feeling it's a wonderful been <clears throat> a great sign mm-hmm. when did that start do you think um it really started after i stopped taking in information that wasn't in line with anything I wanted or that would bring me down. Like it was draining your battery. Yeah. Uh, I still do stuff for other people, but I do stuff because I want to, not because I feel like I need to or they're going to fail or something or everything's just going to fall apart. I just do it because I can and because I want to, but... I guess it, that's when it started, when I like went through social media and did that, and when I just decided to change how I think, and I ran the journal, in my journal every morning. I got a journal that was like appealing. I like anime and stuff, so uh-huh. I got a journal that had all this anime stuff on it, and I was like, wow, I like this journal, and I got uh-huh. a cute pen, and you know, just stuff that just felt like good. So I just did wow. whatever felt good. That's so powerful. Like, and it sounds so basic for people who are used to thinking about what do I need and tuning Mm -hmm. into what would make me happy. But when you're codependent, you stop tuning into that Mm -hmm. or you learn, you never learn to. And, and suddenly you're like, I never really thought about what do I want to do and how do I want to decorate my place? And this is so fun. Like, what did I like when I was like five? What did I really enjoy doing? And then you think about it and then I'm like, okay, I'm going to do it or I'm going to. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And and there just has to be such a big piece for if your life is so stressful, your attention goes to what can I do to calm my environment down Mm -hmm. or help everyone? I'll do anything I can to help make every situation better, whether Mm -hmm. that's get a job and help pay for things or diffuse an argument Mm -hmm. or play go between or mediator. Mm -hmm. Um, you're always, and see that takes a lot of perceptiveness and intuition and emotional intelligence and, and leadership and courage to do all that stuff. Mm -hmm. But unfortunately you're like neglecting your needs and, you know, focusing your life on tuning into other people instead of tuning into yourself. Mm -hmm. Wow. That's so cool. (laughs) Well, I probably shouldn't read all of these. Um, Yeah, I don't know. Trying to control events and people through helplessness, guilt, coercion, threats, advice, giving, manipulation, domination. Um, Again, we don't have to have all these, but desperately seeking love and approval, 
often from people incapable of providing it, mm-hmm. um, lose sleep over other people's problems or behaviors, <laughs> worry excessively over minor things, don't take time to see if other people are good enough for them. That's a, a really big one. And I'm definitely going to be doing some podcasts on this uh, ser- this body of literature about the human magnet syndrome and how oftentimes codependents end up with emotional manipulators mm-hmm. um, or like narcissists or needy people or selfish people. And, you know, they end up like probably someone like you. And I know you're in a really nice long-term relationship mm-hmm. right now. Your boyfriend sounds wonderful. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think I got lucky. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Well, maybe your hard work made you have a better, yeah. yeah. Um, you know, I don't know, a better gauge for picking someone. Yeah. Healthy. I, I used to be very picky about relationships and stuff like that. I was, it was, actually probably like not a good thing but it was one bad sign and I don't even talk I don't even say anything I just end it just not even mm. yeah you see a red flag and you're like uh-uh yeah and it could just be good for you yeah some people overlook red flags and in fact one of my clients told me this hilarious quote it was from some tv show or cartoon or something but it was hilarious it said when you have on rose-colored glasses, have you heard people talk about rose-colored glasses? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, looking at everything on the bright side and being kind of in denial. She, the quote was, when you have on rose-colored glasses, you think that red flags are white. Yeah. Isn't that funny? I think I've heard that before. Have you? <laughs> I think I have. I'm not sure. <laughs> I was like, that is so good. I love that. No, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you just have to be careful. <laughs> yeah. Because... <laughs> You could unknowingly have recreated your past, like the the hard parts of your childhood by Mm -hmm. marrying someone or dating someone that had similar qualities to the abusive people in your life or the unhealthy people in your life. Mm -hmm. And that happens so, so often. You don't even know it, but you're actually creating your own worst nightmare by by, you know, finding a relationship that mimics an abusive or unhealthy one from your childhood. Mm -hmm. So I'm definitely going to do some episodes on that. So, um, well, I want to read, uh, one of your neat quotes that you or one thing that you said to me in a text before we wrap up, but is there anything else you kind of feel like you want to say before, um, you do? I think I'm, I'm good now. (laughs) Well, um, I do just love that, you know, when you talked about your self-esteem, the fact that you believed in yourself and you're brave enough, you said, you know, I like doing scary things, but I don't know where that came from or where you got that, but that self-confidence and believing in yourself Mm -hmm. is so important. And I see so many people who don't believe in themselves. They doubt themselves. They underestimate themselves, but everybody should just do it because, because why not? Yeah. Put yourself out there. And I, I have this like quote that I made it up after um, my cat passed away last year. One of my cats in October, oh. or actually it was November. It was the beginning, beginning of November, but I was really sad at the time. And he pro- actually, my cat dying also really did something to like make me see life different too. Because mm. I love that cat, but. Um, was the amazing thing about living is that you get to die. So you should just do everything like mm. you can. You don't have to, you know, worry about what's going to happen in 150 years because you won't even be here. So just 
Wow. Do it and just live. Just do what you want to do. That's a beautiful perspective. Yeah. Yeah. Like life is short. Like why live your life cowering in the corner, afraid to put yourself out there? Like just do what you want believe in yourself and try things. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Just if you want to leave your job, just put in two weeks notice so you can come back if you need it. Mm. (laughs) Because I've done it a couple of times. So it might not always work out, but who cares? Yeah. Just do what you want to do. Try it out. Yeah. Like what do you have to lose? Yeah. And what's the worst thing that could happen? It probably won't happen, but if it did, you could survive it. Yeah. And then you can find another idea and get excited about something else. So, yeah, it's a very resilient, optimistic perspective. I love it. (laughs) Well, okay. So what you said was just so wonderful. I had to share it. So you said healing and learning acceptance and forgiveness and that I can't change people has been ongoing in my life since I was very little. And I was always the optimistic sibling who had to look on the bright side. So I try to remain that way. And I would love to keep that part of myself and grow it. It's so good. Mm-hmm. And you said something earlier about relationships in your family, like the hard ones that like, they're not going to grow. Those relationships aren't going to get better if I don't find a way to work through yeah, it. Yeah. And I want those relationships. Like it's not, I don't feel like I need the relationships in order to keep going in life. They don't provide me anything like they don't pay my bills, but I love those people and I want those people in my life as their best selves. Cause I've seen their, I've seen them in their best. So mm. I just want them to be that way and be in my life and, you know, so Um, I'll work on me and then if they, they can do their part by working on themselves, but I always try to let them know I'm working on myself in this way. And if I'm positive around them, then how can they be negative? mm. It's, It's just, yeah, there's no room for it. If I'm happy, then they can be happy. Mm. See, and these are the kinds of conversations like this. Okay, this is super cringy. My kids are teenagers. And so they tell me, oh, that's cringy. But (laughs) I think it's just so powerful. It's like these conversations and you're not my client, but Mm -hmm. I have amazing conversations with inspiring people Mm -hmm. like you in my office and no one else gets to hear these conversations. And I'm like, I feel like I'm hogging (laughs) gems in my office. Like I have these valuable gemstones Mm -hmm. and no one's hearing this. And so if you weren't brave enough to come tell your story, I mean, you and I were strangers, you know, Mm -hmm. this is really just the second time we've met, but you're, you know, you just have so many inspiring, powerful things to share. And it's just, just what you've said, just, I can't even tell you, it just blows me away. Like your passion for making yourself better and for redeeming your relationships and seeing the best in the people you love and not giving up on them. And, you know, and I understand sometimes people have to yeah, get away from people are hurting. Yeah. You, like, yeah. Yeah. And sometimes people just don't see some of the things you might see. I mean, yeah. we can't all be great at everything. Yeah. This is probably one of your superpowers, whether you know it or not. But you are want to um, restore those relationships and restore those people and, and see them, see it out and see them become the best sides. And you use that word grow to grow things. Mm-hmm. Um, there's this really neat sort of, um, strengths finder slash personality test thing. And it has like 32 strengths. And one of them that I love, 
I love, I mean, they're all great strengths, but I bet you're high on this one called restorative. Mm -hmm. And it's like when you like restoring things and preserving things and and making them better, Mm -hmm. you know, and Mm -hmm. so much of the theme of what you talk about is growing and and restoring and working on things and not giving up on yourself or people. And it's just so... Powerful. I love it. I, I, yeah. (laughs) Well, you need to keep using these strengths. I don't know how you, you know, all the ways you can do it, but you definitely have a lot to offer people. And I so appreciate you doing this today. Thanks for having me here. It's nice to be here. It's nice to talk to somebody that's a therapist and (laughs) (laughs) understands what I say. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Sometimes you probably get a little too deep for people that are. Yeah. They're just looking at me like, wow. They're like, what are you on? Are you high today? Like, how are you getting so deep? You're like, I live this way. Yeah, I really do. I wake up and I write it all down and then I go to work and I'm like, hey, everybody. Wow. Here's a bunch of information you didn't. Wow. So you think and reflect and you love to learn. Mm Mm-hmm. That's so cool. Well, maybe we'll do this again if you yeah. if you want to talk more about any of these topics. It would be great. I'm Thanks. sure I I'm sure I'll be able to talk about anything. Yeah. Yeah, you yeah. can probably talk about any psychological conversation. Yeah, I guess I probably could. <laughs> I've got a lot of things. Might as well get all those thoughts out of your head. Yeah. <laughs>